Welcome to the Strategy Rewind Podcast. I'm your host, Miguel LeBron. Here at the Strategy Rewind Podcast, we look at the relationship between goals, strategies, belief, and objective breakthrough. I'm so excited for today's episode. Hey, if we haven't met before, thank you for being connected here today. I am a father, a leader, an author, a strategy coach, and mentor, and I partner with individuals who have a goal but need a strategy. And in this podcast, we focus on the strategy to help you have a breakthrough moment. Part of effective leadership is actually understanding the people that you're attempting to serve or that you want to serve. And there's a few variables here that we really need to get into when we talk about how to serve the individuals that are at our disposal, these individuals that are at our fingertips, right? You may want to serve your community. You may want to serve individuals who maybe are less fortunate or that you understand you can provide value to them. But we have to get to a place where we actually understand them. In order to be able to serve them, we have to first understand them. Does that mean you're going to understand the ins and outs and intricate parts of every detail of that person? No, because even if you consider your own self, you'll find that within you, there are parts that you're still discovering and that you're still learning about yourself. However, when we talk about serving a collective, we also have to keep an eye on the individuals. And is there where I want to begin? The way to actually understand or comprehend the people, the the collective that you're serving is to understand the individuals. Understand that their background doesn't look like yours. Understand that even if you share the same culture, that doesn't necessarily mean you share the same struggle. So there's no reason to clump it up and think, well, they are the same ethnicity as me, so they must have faced the same challenges as me. That's not always a, a given. Understanding the individual helps you to understand the collective And when you make a decision to try to better the collective, you take under consideration the individual. The task that the leader has is to make it feel as though they are 110% focused on the individual while not losing sight of the collective. And oftentimes individuals in leadership lose sight of this harmony that needs to exist. So how do we get there? How do we understand the individuals, understand the collective? How do we get to this place? And really it's about defining expectations. What is it that they expect from you as a leader? What is it that they expect from you as the individual who is guiding or instructing or supporting? You know, my friend Jesse Cruz has a book which is titled Live Your Dash. It's a fantastic book that I would encourage you to get your hands on. But there's a chapter where he speaks specifically to this that I want to quote his book here. He says, Learning the three biggest needs of your chosen family members and revealing yours will reinforce the friendship. When you share your needs, you communicate your standards. The higher you raise your standards, the more clarity and excellence will happen in your 
friendships. Again, awesome book, Live Your Dash by Jesse Cruz. But what I want you to take from this is the fact that if you don't have honest, transparent conversations, it's going to be hard, difficult, challenging to, number one, define these expectations within the organization, but also be able to transparently understand them, understand their struggle, understand their background, understand what is happening here. It's not a one-way street when you talk about leadership. You're serving the community that you're serving, but they are also helping you grow as a leader. Because as you look to serve, you're growing and you're growing and you're growing and you're growing. And yes, this makes you a better leader, but it also makes you a better person. So the question is, how do we serve? How do we get to a place that we can provide excellent service to the collective and the individual that we are serving we have to understand that just because they look like us doesn't mean that they've experienced the same thing we've experienced. There are so many variables. So we have to begin to establish a relationship because in the relationship, as a leader, you'll gain influence, but you'll also gain insight as to what is happening and what are the areas that need to be addressed you also be at close proximity to be able to now define what are the expectations and what are their needs, not only what they want or expect from you as a leader, but also what is it that they need as a person. I actually sat down with someone recently and I asked them, what are the three things you need from me? And at first they were surprised they were shocked. And I said, name three things that you need out of me, out of, out of our relationship. Needed a moment to ponder, but after that, they were able to provide a response. And I was able to gauge, am I delivering on that or am I not? Leader, I would challenge you to speak to the individuals, to speak to the collective whom you are attempting to serve and ask the question, what are the three things you need from me as a leader. And then ask yourself, am I delivering on those things? Let me talk to you about our show sponsors, United Marriage Encounter. United Marriage Encounter is a worldwide nonprofit organization dedicated to improving marriages by introducing powerful, practical, ongoing communication strategies. It's such a powerful experience, the weekends that they host for marriages. Early in our marriage, my wife and I went to a weekend, but the strategies that we received were so powerful, we decided to go again because the truth is that we can always keep growing and learning on how to better communicate. The weekends that they host are presented in a conference type setting, but after that initial meet and greet, no other group sharing is required. Each couple is given enough time to talk privately, freely, and be able to dedicate their entire time to their significant other. Head over to unitedmarriage.com. That's unitedmarriage.com, where there you'll find more details on events that are coming up and may be happening in your neck of the woods. I am sitting with Andrea Bittner. Thank you so much for being with us here today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yes, ma'am. For those who are not familiar with the amazing work you're doing, let them know about yourself. Sure. Uh, I'm an educator of 22 years, living right outside of Philadelphia, uh, working with English language learners. So I work with all the kids in this building who are becoming or are bilingual, which is an awesome job. 
And uh, I am also a first time author of a book called Take Me Home, uh, released in July of last year. That is a true story of 12 um, of my former students who share in a firsthand perspective what it's really like to become bilingual in America. When we talk about that firsthand perspective, that's really what we want to talk here today about, because as a leader or as a service provider, we have to gain the perspective of the individuals that we serve. Now, as I was getting ready for today's conversation, I understand that there was a moment in your life where you had to take a trip and learn a different language, which gave you better perspective of the people you serve. I did. Um, I was invited by a family to go down to the country of El Salvador. Um, I've had the luxury to go three different times. And um, one of the schools down there that we worked with was in need of computers. The students down there had never had computers. They were actually learning to type on computers on paper cutout screens with paper keyboards. And they were typing, pretend typing on these keyboards. So one of my families that goes there frequently was down there seeing this and noticed that it's something that they really needed. And they said to themselves, who can help us bring computers? Ms. Bittner can help us bring computers. So when they came back, our team teamed up and we got the opportunity to send 15 laptops, printers, a whole flurry of paper and materials. And so I got to go down. And for the first time, when I walked off that plane, I lovingly say I was in the non-tourist part of uh, you know dirt roads and dogs. And what an amazing experience because I had to speak Spanish. There was no choice. No one there spoke English. And I'd never felt that limited before. And what a feeling that was to step into the shoes of my kids that come here or are born here and then going into kindergarten for the first time and hearing this crazy language called English and to really realize that I only could say a few sentences and I had prepped and practiced, but the nervousness and the feeling of inadequacy, you know, for the first time really hit me. And a situation like that, where it opens up your mind and gives you better perspective, how does that change the way that you serve the students and the people that you do serve? Absolutely. You know, I think for the first time, it really broadens your perspective on that the world is a lot bigger than you. There's a huge world out there that does not operate in the way that you might operate in your little town of X, you know, and in addition to that, people need time to transition. You know, I spent two weeks there my first time, and then I spent a week my second time and a little over a week my third time. And each time that I got to go, I felt a little more confidence about it. So it helps me serve my students and my teachers who get nervous about working with English language learners or my kids who have to change teachers every 45 minutes all day long. It gives me an appreciation for that transition time that they need to acclimate to something new and to help them learn that that time in their life is actually an asset because they're becoming bilingual. It's not a deficit. And that's what it really helped me learn. When we talk about mindset, mindset can obviously hinder the service that we provide if we don't have the right mindset. But how much does the mindset of the people that we're trying to serve, like you said, that transitional point that that individual is going through, how much does their mindset affect the service we provide? Oh, I'm in all of that mindset. You know, you know, every single day, these kids, you know, are getting a free education. In, I work with students in grades one through 12. And every day they get up and say, I'll do it again. And even when they don't want to, right? And even when they have people who may not be so supportive of all the interactions they're going to have throughout the community, every single day they push forward and grow. 
And that's really hard to do. You know, they could throw in the towel at any point. And in our district in particular, their parents are depending on them because often my kids become more proficient in speaking and writing and reading English than their parents do. So they're going from readers to leaders really quickly. And so having that perspective on my end and appreciating that drive and that courage and that motivation and that determination, no matter what attitude, is really something that you know I look forward to working with every day. So here's a little bit something about me that you may not know, Andrea. Sure. Uh, even though I was born and raised in Rochester, New York, and my mm -hmm. first language is English, my mother, she moved from Puerto Rico to Rochester. So she was really hard on, in my house, we speak Spanish. So wow. this actually Great. put me in the position that, yes, I learned both languages. However, I also had to take ESL. <laughs> wow, so, so you were an ESL student, okay. Yeah, so oftentimes my mind, even though I wanted to say an English word, I would read it in Spanish. Like, yes, that's normal. was please. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and you know, thank your mom because she helped you become a bilingual person. It's such an asset. Yeah, definitely that, definitely that. But I had creative teachers who did not kind of limit themselves to just a particular structure. And oftentimes when providing a service, people have this idea of, well, this is the way it's always been done. So this is the way it has to be done. How can we dismantle a little bit that mindset when trying to provide service and gain the perspective of those we're servicing? Right, absolutely. Well, you know, one of my jobs as a support teacher is not only to support our kids and our families, but to support our teachers. And, you know, I always say it's time to flip the script. You know, people, especially in the area that I live in, in the Northeast, right outside of Philadelphia, tend to say, we want English right now. You know, what do you mean you don't speak English? You know, and I challenge them to flip that script to say, you're learning English? Wow. You know, it's, it's a time to look at people in a much different perspective. Um, and in addition to that, I think that it's important to continue to provide resources to those teachers. And once they know better, you know, once I can teach them about all the different ways we can work with our ELLs and all the different ways we can support their families and communicate effectively with parents, it's time to do better. Because once you know better, you should do better. And, you know, I kind of hold them to that expectation moving forward and teaming up. You know, their lens of teaching is different than my lens of teaching, but two brains are always better than one. And I think that when you work together, you can accomplish a lot of successes. Amazing. So with regards to your book, which is an inspiring, fantastic book, I was talking to my wife about how that is a real life story of this little girl that you, I mean, I don't want to give it away. Tell us about the premise of the book with regards to this situation that not only shakes up your life, but really shakes up an entire community. Absolutely. So uh, Take Me Home uh, was written uh, seven years ago, and um, I was teaching um, at the elementary level at the time, and I had just finished working with the Lopez family. I spent about six years working with every member of the family. There were six boys and one girl, and they were from all different walks of life, but all of this particular family was from Salvador, and uh, many of them had crossed the border. And so I was blessed at that time to work with about 40 students, uh, 25 different languages. And we had a real sense of community in that program. Um, kids that came that were born here, kids came who were adopted, kids came as exchange students, kids came who had crossed the border, kids came who had waited for their visa for 10 years and came later than mom and dad, 
or maybe they came first and mom and dad came later. So they had a lot of different opportunities you know, to come to this country. And so at the time, this one particular family um, had worked with me and I'd worked with all the aunts and uncles and et cetera. And I was teaching one day and there were some helicopters flying around outside and uh, we are located near a lot of train tracks here in our area. And so I looked outside and I thought, well, I hope everything's okay. You know, like there's a lot of helicopters out there today. And about an hour later, my principal came down to get me to let me know that one of my students had been hit by the train. And uh, that student was Nancy. And she was the only female in this Lopez family that I had worked with. And so that time became extremely traumatic, not only for all the kids in my program, which we were a very tight knit community, um, in addition to her dad, who's a pastor and mom. But one of the biggest challenges of that day, in addition to the trauma of this news, was that there was no one in the train tracks who spoke Spanish. And so the family was notified as best they could be that someone had been hit by the train, but they weren't sure who it was. And so they went up to the train track, nobody on the force or nobody in the community could communicate with them that their daughter had died. And so they started calling all of the kids in addition to notifying myself to figure this out. And over the next couple of weeks, uh, we worked with the family, we worked with the funeral home to bury Nancy, we worked with the community of kids um, to navigate this whole process. I was working with government to try and allow her brother to come up to bury his sister, which he was denied that visa. And so it was a pretty tumultuous time and I, and I had to speak at the funeral. So I wrote this poem at the time and it was called Take Me Home. And it was an homage to Nancy's travels to the US. And I kind of put it away for a little while. And a couple of years later, I, I saw it one day and I thought, you know, maybe somebody, maybe somebody can be helped by this. Maybe this could be helpful. And so I sent it out to a bunch of publishing companies and one of them got back to me and said, hey, Andrea, we really like your poem, but we don't want you to write a poem. We think you should write a book and we want you to write it. And we're going to give you about six months to do it. And if you come back with something that we like, we're going to publish it and take you on. So I thought, well, all right, well, I don't want to just tell her story. I want to tell everybody's stories because they were so different. And that was the one goal of this book. In addition to some others was every person you meet who's learning English is not the same. All these vast experiences are so different. So I went back and I interviewed many of the students who are now in like their young thirties. Right. And I still call them kids, but they're not kids. I actually am getting ready to teach some of their own kids now. But, um, and I asked them this question, which I really thought was important. You know, everybody out there in the education world or in the business world has information on people who are bilingual. They might know their language or their culture, or think they know their traditions or their data in the education world, right? What their strengths are, et cetera. But nobody ever asks you, now that you're a young bilingual professional person working here in this country, no matter where your roots were, what was that really like for you? What was it really like to become bilingual? And so from every conversation I had with these young men and women, something would stick out that made me went, and that's your chapter, and that's your chapter. And I was able to create a different chapter for each of them with names of strength, like switch and fuel and navigate and grit and surge and volt and shine. And I wanted to show the strength and wisdom and courage it took them and weave Nancy's story through it um, to have success here in the US. So it is an uplifting story. It's an inspiring story. Um, and that's what we hope people gauge from it. For those individuals who want to try to provide better service and gain the perspective of those they're servicing, what type of strategies could we provide them in doing so? 
Yes. So the first thing I say is something I, I've been presenting on to different districts is there are basically 10 essential questions you should be asking when you receive a new student in your class who's identified as English language learner. And so I could uh, be happy to share that with other educators around the country or business world people around the country. But things like, were they born here? Were they formally educated or informally educated? Because that makes a huge difference in our planning. Have you introduced them to every single person in the building? Because your, their interactions are not just with their EL teacher during the day. They've got to feel successful 75% of the time to get up the next day and come back. You know. And so does the cafeteria team know who they are? Does the office team know who they are? Does the principal know who they are? Everybody should know, you know to have those positive interactions. In addition to that, how strong are they in their first language? Because you can't make the assumption that they know how to read and write in Russian. And you can't just throw Russian at them and go, here, here's the supplemental, it'll work. You know, so are they literate in their first language? You know, when it comes to parents, what language should they prefer? Mm -hmm. It's not, oh, they don't know English. No, what do they prefer? Because my, my parents I work with, some of them prefer the English, some of them prefer tweet, some of them prefer both. You know, so it just depends, you know, so I've got more, you know, uh, teeth and I've sank into that topic, but just to start to really team up and ask some questions about it. Um, I've also written some blogs for the Teach Better team that give a lot of strategies as well and different things like that. For those who want to get connected with you, read your blogs and your amazing book, how could they do so? Sure. So um, we are uh, Take Me Home and the book is for sale via Amazon, Barnes and Noble, my mom told me it was on Target, didn't know that. Um, in addition to that, I have signed copies available if you wanted to reach out to me directly. Um, the um, publisher is Austin McCauley, and I know some schools have been purchasing some full quarters uh, so we can do PLCs and different uh, conversations with schools. So there are some ways you can reach out to the book and, and get, get a copy. Um, we are on social media at Andrea Bittner Books uh, via Twitter, via Instagram, and via um, uh, Facebook. So you can reach out and, and LinkedIn as well. So you can reach out in many different ways to me to meet up going forward. Awesome. Andrea, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you so much for everyone who has been connected here today on Strategy Rewind Podcast. For more information on this podcast, head over to strategyrewind.com. Of course, I also want to thank today's guest and encourage you to head over to the show notes of this episode as you can find details on what they're doing and how you can connect with them. There in the show notes, you'll also find information on today's show sponsor, which is United Marriage Encounter. Remember, they have events going on all through the calendar year and even in your neck of the woods. Of course, if you'd like to be a sponsor of this podcast, head over to miguellebron.com. There you'll find details not only of how you can become a sponsor of this podcast, but also information on Miguel Lebron coaching. As always, please consider subscribing and sharing this podcast. And of course, surround yourself with people that will nourish your vision.